What's up, everyone? Ryan Satin here. Welcome back to another SmackDown Roundup. What a show it was. We finally got the Men's War Games match finalized. We got some good wrestling action. There's a bunch to discuss, but before we dig into it all, I have to do a little bit of shilling here. I gotta be a good employee. I gotta be a good podcast host. I think this is what you're supposed to do when you host a podcast. I gotta tell you guys to hook it up with a review. Please, if you enjoy the show, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me go up the charts. It helps people when they're searching for new content, see that this is a show worth listening to. So if you enjoy these roundups, if you enjoy Out of Character every week, go hook it up with a review. I'll read the good ones here on the roundup shows. Also, if you're on Spotify, hook it up with a, just a rating with the little stars. Give me a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. If you enjoy the podcasts that we're putting out here, if you enjoy Out of Character, Hopefully you guys enjoyed my conversation with Top Dollar this week. I really enjoyed that one. I like talking to people who chase their dreams, and he's someone who absolutely, without question, has chased multiple dreams successfully, and it made me laugh hearing him talk about how easy they were to a degree. <laughs> That's not what you usually hear. You usually hear about the struggle, uh, so it was interesting to hear how some of these things kind of fell into his lap. I liked it. Let's get into this week's episode of SmackDown, though, which began with the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre out first. Like I said, the Men's War Games match has now been finalized. The Bloodline and Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre was confirmed via commentary. There's one more member of Team Brawling Brutes, of Team Sheamus, but we'll get to that at the end of this roundup. First, let's talk about what happened at the top of the show, though. So Sheamus brings up the 20-year rivalry he's had with Drew McIntyre and says that it's created a mutual respect between the two of them. Drew agrees and says, if he's going to war, he wants to go to war with his brother. As Sheamus begins to reveal the fifth member, he gets interrupted by Sami Zayn, who says they don't care who the fifth member is. And at one point, refers to himself as Usi in the sky with diamonds, which made me laugh. Seamus retorts back, Something tells me that when you find out who the fifth member of your team is, you'll probably crap your Usi pants, because it's the last thing you're going to expect. It was kind of the first thing that I was expecting at this point. If you listen to this show, I think you'll agree with me. I think... Uh, it was kind of what everybody was expecting, in a good way, though. In a good way. I don't think giving people what they want is a bad thing. I think giving people what they want is a good thing. So we'll get to that. But first, just this opening. Um, I think it needed to be said. I think it did need to be said uh, that Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, you know, even though they've feuded and been rival, you know, been rivals and have gone to war. That they are boys. If you follow them on social media, you know exactly what Sheamus said in the promo that Drew McIntyre was his best man at his wedding a few weeks ago. You know they're close if you follow them on social media. And even though you've seen them go to war on WWE TV, you know these two guys have trust in each other. That's because of the fact they've been around each other since the beginning, since they, all, since they first got signed to WWE. So... Even though we know that as fans, I do think 
it needed to be said in a storyline sense since we have seen them fight so many times. We've seen them go against each other. We've seen all of this. So I think it did need to be said that the elephant in the room is there, but it also means they trust each other more than anyone else. It makes sense to me. Uh, I also think that we've had a... I don't know where he's been. Obviously, there was stuff going on. You know, they had Saudi Arabia show, and then I think he had some personal stuff going on. But we've had an intense uh, drought of Sami Zayn content the past couple of weeks. We've all been wanting to get Usi to to hear some Usi talk, and he hasn't been there. So it was nice to see Sami Zayn back on the program, back involved in all of this, and back feeling himself. Usi in the sky with diamonds cracked me up. Uh, But really, most of all, I'm happy that we got this War Games match finalized. Since we all kind of knew that's what was happening, uh, I was hoping they didn't drag it out another week. You would think that they'd want to promote this for at least a week. So it made all sense in the world to finally confirm the Bloodline are going to be in the War Games match. And I think that that is great. The War Games match, you know, I think when you have a team that can make the match feel like theirs, it adds something to War Games match, whether that's the Four Horsemen, whether that's Undisputed Era, or now the Bloodline, uh, in theory. Um, I think that that's, it, it adds something to the War Games match when you feel like there's a king of the mountain that you need to take down, someone who's the best at the War Games or just the most experienced in the war games match. And even though if you look at this match, the side of the brawling brutes has more people who have been involved in one. Uh, but that being said, uh, the bloodline are such a dominant faction that it would, I, I am interested in seeing if they win or lose this one. You know, Roman has been on such a dominant run that you'd think in this setting, since the title's not on the line, no, my audio didn't go, go dead. I was just thinking, <laughs> since the title's not on the line, you'd think this is one where Roman Reigns could actually lose because someone like a Kevin Owens or a Sheamus gains so much more with their team. Oh, I jumped ahead here. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying my best. I mean, you watch the show. You know. We're going to get to Kevin Owens. Don't worry. We're going to get there. I, I just got ahead of myself here and thinking out loud. But you watch the show. You most likely watch the show. <laughs> oh, to those of you who listen, though, to in case you missed the show, sorry to spoil the end there. Uh, but what I was going to say is, like, someone like that, they, they need the win here a little more. However... Like I said, you know, you want a team to kind of solidify themselves as owning that cage. So, I do wonder what the finish would be here. And I think that that does add to the allure of this match. And ultimately, I think they made the right call in having the Bloodline be the first men's War Games participants on the main roster. Uh, Judgment Day, as, as, as much as I would have liked it, them with a few other people... Um, it just made all the sense in the world. There's five guys in the bloodline right now. Why wouldn't you put them in the War Games match? So good call having them there. And uh, we will 
pick up on the Kevin Owens stuff at the end of the podcast, and I'll have some more thoughts. First, though, Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali. That was next in the show, SmackDown World Cup match. Make sure you're watching the World Cup on Fox. Cheap plug there. Gotta make sure that I let the people know. World Cup on Fox. Make sure you're checking it out. Uh, But the SmackDown World Cup, which is wrestling, not soccer, uh, featured Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali. Ali was nursing injuries from his battle with Bobby Lashley, as footage is shown of him being cleared earlier in the day. Ali pulled off a, a wild backstabber from the top rope in this match, which you'd think would be a bad idea you have hurt ribs but it looked cool nonetheless there was also another cool spot too where Ali dove onto Ricochet outside the ring but Ricochet rolled through and hit a Michinoku driver the finish saw Ricochet land a shooting star press on a standing Ali for the win cool finish I just my main takeaway from this because it made of course Ricochet should have advanced here um Ricochet is a SmackDown talent as opposed to a Raw talent like Mustafa Ali, who seemed to be filling in for uh, an injured Rey Mysterio is what I had read online as a possible report. Um, but beyond that, I do think that when it comes to baby faces on SmackDown, Ricochet is someone who has the potential to be one of the top ones there if played correctly. If done right, Ricochet can be. Uh, one of the top baby faces on the SmackDown roster. So having him advance was a smart call. And I also really want to see Braun Strowman versus Ricochet because of Ricochet, excuse me, because of Braun talking crap on social media recently about flippy wrestlers. Uh, And so we even saw later in the show Ricochet confronting Braun Strowman and, and, and mentioning the flippy comments that, that that Braun had said on social media, and I believe commentary said they'll have more on that next week. So it's it's interesting to me that they're making his real life comments into a canon thing on the show. It might help him a little bit though if it makes it look like it was all an in character plan all along. That'd be smart because if they make it into that, he can always just say, "Hey, you know, I was just for the story because I knew I Ricochet was someone I was wrestling next," and it would add. To our match. But I really want to see Ricochet and Braun Strowman put on a banger. Just a banger. One that everyone is wowed by. So that Ricochet can say, yeah, I did that. Look at me. I'm wrestling a giant. We still put on a banger. And also, so that it can make Braun Strowman understand how dope a flippy match can be. So I really want to see those two. And backtracking to the actual Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali match. I just want to see more matches like this on WWE TV. I like when there are two guys just going balls to the wall like these two were. Obviously, they had to have a little bit of reserve because there's no reason to go all out when the it's you know still the the you know the, the first round of the tournament. And also, I think you need to save those all out moments for for when they're needed. You need to build to that. Plus, Ali was supposedly you know nursing injuries but I think that really like what I mean by that though is just like 
fresh matchups that are competitive where where you're seeing innovation where you're seeing interesting moves where you're seeing stuff you couldn't see anywhere else and that's what Mustafa Ali and Ricochet bring to the table for sure they're both innovators they're both guys that are going to wow you no matter what when they're in the ring they are always going to show up and show out so having them against each other here reminiscent of their I think the 205 live days I think I was I was into it was it 205 live or main event one of the two when he cut that promo and they had those series of matches main event it was main event um but Still, I think that this is the kind of action that people want to see. Uh, NXT was a great example of that. Um, You'd see in NXT the indie style of wrestling and how over it was with big audiences and how it grew the audience and this small crowd. You know, these small shows turned into such a big thing. And I think that if you um, have more action like what you saw in NXT on SmackDown, I think that's smart because... With you know, with Fox and it being more of a sports vibe, I think you want to have that ultimate competitive, fast-paced match, and you you can save the big guy stuff uh, for Raw or the more classic sports entertainment stuff for Raw. But I do think that if you have a majority of like fast-paced matches between guys like Sami Zayn and Butch, guys like Mustafa Ali and Ricochet, I do think it'll draw people into the show more and want to come back if they're going to be seen. Guys like Gunther, guys like, um, you know, uh, excuse me, like Shinsuke Nakamura, like Santos Escobar, like, you know, these people who are in the tournament and not, um, I think that they will, even though, you know, obviously Gunther's not flying around the ring, I do think that, you know, he has these matches that wow you because he's such a presence in the ring. And I think that this combination of like wowing the audiences with guys who, did something on the indies, um, made a name for themselves on the indies, uh, can pay off in the long run, much like it did for NXT, and keep the classic sports entertainment to Monday Night Raw, which is kind of what it's been seeming more and more of lately, but I really noticed it tonight uh, in this SmackDown where you saw guys like Pete Dunne, excuse me, Butch and Sami Zayn and Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. So good match, thought it was the right outcome. Uh, give me more competitive ricochet matches like this. Next, we saw the Bloodline backstage in their locker room. Jay and Sammy bicker while Jimmy tries to get them all on the same page. Uh, then we had New Day interviewed backstage about their loss last week. The duo talk about being unhappy about their record going away, but Imperium interrupt them saying they've made a mockery of the sport. New Day compare Gunther to Lurch from the Adams family and challenge them to a three-on-three match later with a partner of their choosing. Imperium accepts. Madcap Moss is seen preparing for his match after that. When he's approached by Emma, Emma gasses him up and gives him some extra confidence before his match. Let's talk about this real quickly before his actual match. Um... I think, you know, I think Mad Cat Moss is super talented. But I've felt like as talented as he may be, he was given difficult things to get past. 
first, it was the suspenders and the outfit. Got past that. He got through it all. Got on his own. Did his thing. And people, it, people were receptive to it. It was, it was over. It got over to a degree. He got over to a degree of like people being into him. When you wouldn't have thought that based on him being such an extreme heel before that. But I think one of the most difficult things to... That, that, one of the things that's been hindering the, him the most since he split up from Corbin, since he changed and didn't have the suspenders and stuff, has been the name. Madcap Moss is a tough name to get behind. <laughs> it just... It doesn't roll off the tongue. Madcap makes you sound like you're from another era, which was the intent initially. But it worked as a heel. I just don't know if the name Madcap Moss is something that... It's just going to be a... T- it, 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 it holds him back a little bit. That's a better way of wording it. I'm thinking out loud here as I'm talking to you. But I feel like it holds him back to some degree. And so because of the fact that it holds him back to some degree... I'm wondering if, because Triple H has kind of been going person by person, fixing little things, adding things, giving them this back, taking that away, giving them a name, taking away that, bringing their wife in as a manager, you know, doing all these things. Legato's got Zelina. Like, he's doing all these things to kind of like elevate everybody. And then he brings Emma back, who's in a relationship with Madcap. And now we're seeing Madcap and Emma be paired up together, which I think is a good call. And I think that we've seen Emma transform on WWE TV before, being the happy-go-lucky Emma to her more serious self. I've seen, you know, what she did in Impact, and 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 I think that she could help transform the character of Madcap. They could transform together to some degree and elevate each other in a new way. We might be able to see something new from Emma in WWE, be able to possibly give Moss a reason to change his name. Even if it's Moss. <laughs> no, Moss is so boring. Don't call him Moss. That's a bad name. Um, I don't know. Something. I, I just think he needs something that people can get behind him. And, I, and I'm hoping that this pairing of Emma and Madcap is, is going to be a, the thing that going to be used as an impetus for change to the character to reposition him in a way that people are going to be able to firmly cheer for him as a babyface because he's got some real fire in the ring like we saw in this match that was next uh madcap moss versus carrying cross uh he, moss was fired up in this one uh the, the guy does a great tackle uh the guy ran through uh cross multiple times here and he looked fired up looked like he wanted to win looked like he had that passion but Scarlet kept getting involved, which uh, kept throwing him off. And Cross eventually locked in the Cross jacket to get the win. Emma then came out to check on Madcap while Cross and Scarlet laughed while watching. I also was wondering while watching this last part, I was wondering if this was possibly going to be a way to bring Scarlet into, into the ring. I wonder if Scarlet's going to wrestle. She didn't wrestle in NXT, I know, but she can wrestle. I wonder if there's going to be something between Scarlett and Emma. I wonder if that's the road we're going down here. Cross and Scarlett versus Madcap and Emma. And Emma can, and Madcap kind of transform 
a little bit to help Madcap Moss get some new uh, fan support. I could see that. I'd like that. All right, let's go to a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with the rest of this week's SmackDown Roundup. After the break, Bray Wyatt comes out to make amends for what he did to L.A. Knight. Bray first questions why he does what he does and if he can truly change. He then apologizes to L.A. Knight for what he did last week, but gets interrupted by none other than the man in question, L.A. Knight. Knight says that he's not sure what to make of Bray Wyatt's apology, but as he looks into Wyatt's eyes, he does believe that Bray Wyatt respects him. L.A. appears to go for a handshake to accept the apology from Bray Wyatt, but instead slaps Bray in the face and quickly says they're even now. Wyatt takes a second to compose himself and says, okay, we're even, and and he says he'll fight these urges, but the decision that L.A. is about to make next will change the rest of his life. Bray goes to shake hands with L.A. Knight to solidify being even, but Knight slaps him again and rushes away, saying it was a two-for-one special. And as he walks back, images flash on the screen of Uncle Howdy. You know, last week on the Roundup, I was talking about how I didn't think this was necessarily the move, and I still might agree with that. However, I will say that L.A. Knight is without question stepping up to the plate with this chance. Because normally I'd say I think that a heel like L.A. Knight needs to solidify himself a little more first before going up against someone like a Bray Wyatt. I don't know if he's quite someone I would see on the same level as a Bray Wyatt. And that's no offense to L.A. Knight whatsoever, but he just hasn't been on the main roster as long. He doesn't have the same kind of accolades or... Um, you know, legacy in WWE right now. And so when it comes to, when it comes to, um, sorry, I was, I was doing something lost, which took my attention away for a second. Um, just, oh man, I was trying to, rec- whatever. It's okay. <laughs> you guys don't need to hear this. Uh, but what I will say is that I do think that, that, that he stepped up to the plate. Like, he's stepping up here. Like, he was really good here. He didn't feel like he didn't belong opposite Bray Wyatt. He he was um, entertaining, even in the... the well, well, we'll get to that next. But I I, I want to just say that I, I felt like last week I was a little hard on the possibility of these two feuding. And I think that this week's interaction between them did change my thoughts a little bit. I felt like um, Bray Wyatt, you know, doing the whole dual personality thing is actually kind of cool. Like, he's trying to hold himself back, but then he gets slapped. And then all of a sudden, you see Uncle Howdy kind of like on the, the Titan Tron from behind, gazing down on LA Night, which was a cool horror movie vibe. And I'm I'm a little more open to this now. I'm I also wouldn't mind if it was just a Survivor Series match between them, and it's done. I don't know if that necessarily helps 
LA Knight that much, who's trying to kickstart things on the main roster. But I also don't think that you want to make Bray Wyatt struggle too much to beat LA Knight since we haven't seen Bray Wyatt, excuse me, since we haven't seen LA Knight against anyone, you know, too significant. And it might hurt the perception of how how strong of a competitor Bray Wyatt is. Next, the Usos approach Karrion Cross to ask if he's the fifth member. Cross says that he's not a follower and that when he's coming for Roman's title, which he will, he'll come for it on his own. Once again, one of those little building blocks that have been put in place. Obviously, if Karrion Cross is looking to rectify the past and right wrongs, then it would only make sense for Karrion Cross to come for the number one golden boy. Not just the chosen one in Drew McIntyre, but the chosen one in Roman Reigns. So I like that we got that little foreshadowing. It was also interesting in this segment. In the background, you could see Bray Wyatt kind of like arguing with himself. It looked like, who I'm assuming maybe he's arguing with Uncle Howdy about what had happened. Maybe trying to get them to not take action for the slap. Um, but nonetheless, I, I like seeing things happening in the background of shots. So that was a cool one, just having Bray Wyatt arguing with himself to further whatever he's got going on with L.A. Knight and Uncle Howdy and whatever, whatever, whatever other voices he has in his head. I'm trying to talk slowly so I don't <laughs> stumble over my own words there. Next, Shayna Baszler versus Shotzi. Ronda kept distracting Shotzi during the match. So eventually Raquel Rodriguez came out to even the odds. And this allowed Shotzi to get a sneaky win over Shayna with a roll-up. I think that I was actually a little worried going into this match. Because I do think that if anyone of these two people, Shotzi definitely needed the win more than Shayna Baszler. And that's strictly because she's got a pay-per-view match against Ronda Rousey coming up. And she needs to be made to look as strong as possible. I think there are some doubters out there who think that maybe she's not quite you know, at a world title level. I'm not one of them. But I think that there are people who say, like, oh, what, you know, what, what did Shotzi do or whatever. But I think Triple H knows that Shotzi is someone who is a future star, could be huge. And I think that when you're putting her in situations to shine, she will step up to the occasion, a la a match against Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. So to keep her as strong as possible, I liked this. Raquel getting involved. Um, This alliance kind of not something that's too... I guess uh, it's fairly fresh, the, the, the alliance between Shotzi and Raquel. Uh, but I think that, you know, keeping Raquel in the mix, nothing wrong with that. Uh, good to see her doing stuff still. And um, I think that she will be probably the next one to go against Ronda for the title. I could see that. So because of that, um, this was win all around to me. I didn't see any issues with this, and I like Shayna Baszler getting more screen time. I like Ronda Rousey trying to bring the killer out of her. I'm into it. Next, LA Knight is seen rushing out of the building, and he's asked if he's doing so because he's scared. 
Knight says, no, but while he's talking to Megan, you can see Uncle Howdy waiting for him in the room that he's walking into. And after the break, L.A. Knight is seen under a pile of stuff, passed out. So, back to the L.A. Knight, Bray Wyatt stuff. More so Bray Wyatt here. I really am liking this split personality thing. You know, I think that we are seeing Bray Wyatt argue with himself. We are seeing... We we're it, this is not another person. Uncle Howdy is not someone else. I don't know if it's necessarily like a split personality thing. I don't know what, but I do think that whoever whatever Uncle Howdy is supposed to be, Bray Wyatt is Uncle Howdy, and so he didn't like getting slapped. Uncle Howdy is that dark passenger to, to take a page from Dexter. It's that dark passenger that he needs to release when something bad is happening. I think that's what we got going on here with Bray Wyatt. And I think that I, I, I'm, I, I'm almost wondering if this Uncle Howdy character is going to be who wrestles, not Bray Wyatt. Kind of like The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. Where, you know, there was the Funhouse, Bray Wyatt, and The Fiend. I think we're getting a more realistic version of that. You know, I think that the Playhouse was much more literal like that's why people could get there and you'd see all these things you know the 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 fun house things and these puppets and all that kind of stuff but i think we saw that when bray wyatt came back and he released everything from the playhouse he himself he himself was released from the playhouse and now he's dealing with the broken fragments of his mind that he had tried to hide in the playhouse. And so I think we're getting a more realistic sense of what that was all kind of supposed to be. So maybe not necessarily split personality, but you know, whatever's going on, I think he's both. I think split personality is the right way of wording that. And so I feel like Uncle Howdy is going to be who wrestles, not Bray Wyatt, but I could be wrong. But that's the vibe I get, similar to The Fiend, that when 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 pain needs to happen, Uncle Howdy's going to be the one to dish it out. After that, we had Imperium versus New Day and Braun Strowman. At one point in the match, Braun chased Gunther around the ring while plowing through the other members of Imperium. Then, when they got back in the ring, Braun lifted Gunther up like nothing. It was actually... Incredibly impressive to see him do that because even though Gunther has lost a lot of weight, he's still a big freaking dude. And Braun just picked him up very casually. And I and I I just was like, man, sometimes you forget just how strong Braun Strowman is. New Day eventually hit the midnight hour on Ludwig Kaiser to get the win. And then Braun beefed up on Gunther, causing him to run away, which didn't like. I didn't like that. If I had to have one criticism here, because I liked all this match, I think it makes sense. You know, commentary points out that Braun is likely someone who Gunther doesn't want to win the tournament. And like I said, we had that little thing between Braun and Ricochet. But, you know, because of all this foreshadowing after... It does appear like Braun is a good is a, is a likely contender to win the tournament. He's in a match now with Imperium. He's talking about winning against Imperium. He's he is 
scaring Gunther, who's the intercontinental champion, he'll get a shot against if he wins. But I just felt like they've done such a good job with Gunther up until this point in showing that he's not scared of anyone, that he is an intimidating force, that he himself is to be afraid of. I didn't love him running away from Braun Strowman. Tiny little nitpick, I know, but I just felt like he's been presented so well that I did not love seeing him run away from someone quite yet. Uh, lastly, we got our main event here. Butch versus Sami Zayn. Butch kicks out of the Blue Thunderbomb late in the match and some brawling breaks out ringside. Butch then does a moonsault onto the Usos on the outside of the ring. But when he comes back in, gets an exploder suplex into the corner. Sammy then ramps up for a haluva kick, but Sheamus pushes Jay in the way, and it allows Butch to instead hit the bitter end for the win. So Butch advances in the SmackDown World Cup. By the way, make sure you're watching the World Cup on Fox. Cheap plug. Thumbs up. Mick Foley style. Um, but things then descend into chaos after prompting an appearance from Roman Reigns, who hits a Superman punch on Ridge and a spear on Butch outside the ring. He then hits a spear on Drew and comes face-to-face with Sheamus. Sheamus and Roman square up, but Sammy attacks Sheamus from behind, allowing Roman to hit the Superman punch. And as he prepares to hit a spear as well, Kevin Owens makes his entrance to solidify himself as the fifth member of Team Sheamus. KO super kicks Jimmy and Jay, then gets into the ring to face off with Roman. The crowd chants, holy crap, except they didn't say crap, and it got bleeped, and it was pretty funny because it was just silent while they were staring at each other. Uh, Owens traded punches with Reigns, then stomped him into the corner, and after that came face-to-face with Sami Zayn while the two stared each other down. Roman hit a Superman punch on Kevin, then went for a spear, but Owen stopped it and hit the stunner, and the two teams stared each other down as the show came to an end. Kevin Owens, final member of Team Sheamus. Kevin Owens is in the War Games match. Perfect. This is what we all wanted. This is what we all Wanted sometimes giving the audience what they want isn't bad, it's good. What we wanted to see Kevin Owens for like since the day Triple H came back has been in the rebuilding process. We've seen Kevin Owens become the prize fighter again, and we've seen him calling out Roman Reigns for months now. We've seen him saying, I want Roman Reigns, I'm coming for your titles, and here he is. Here he is, back, he's on SmackDown, he's coming for those titles, maybe just one of them, I don't know, even if it's just in the war games right now, the fact that we're getting the continuation of that, we're getting what we have wanted to see, what has been built up for a couple months now, I'm stoked on it. Furthermore, I felt like, you know, the Sheamus versus, you know, the Scooty, the Brawling Brutes and the Bloodline thing, Similarly, has been brewing for 
a while now. Drew McIntyre being added to the match makes all the sense in the world, too, because he got screwed also by the bloodline. All these guys have beef with the bloodline. This is a thing where the... I, You know what? I'm not going to give you my prediction yet because I am doing a predictions podcast next week for Survivor Series with my old cohort from Redacted Radio, uh, John Roca. We're going to talk about all of our predictions next week for Survivor Series on video, so you're going to get that next week. So I don't want to give my full predictions. I'm curbing myself a little bit here because it's only... It's not that long from now where I want to do an actual prediction show. But I will say this much. I believe that this has been built up very, very well. When Kevin Owens' music hit, I got pumped. I got hyped. I got excited. I was like, yes, I want to see this. And on top of all of that, all of those storylines that I mentioned that have been brewing, on top of all of that, we've got the immense history between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens being highlighted in a freaking War Games match, dude. Like, we've seen them in every kind of match, and now we're going to get them in a freaking War Games match against each other. That's going to be awesome. And the story possibilities, oh, man. Is Sami Zayn going to stick with the bloodline over Kevin Owens, his boy, for decades? Is that what we're going to see? I don't think so. I think this might... I, I had said I didn't think the honorary U stuff was going to end anytime soon, but... Whew, I don't know, man. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of history there. I mean, just that moment between them where they're staring each other down, that got people hyped. That, like, instantly elevated the hype levels for Survivor Series war games. And they were already high. But now people are even more hyped. I don't want to get into my predictions, though. I don't. I'm like, I, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this without covering all the talking points that I plan to cover with Roka. So I'm going to curve myself a little there. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to put a pin in it. And we're going to talk more about the men's war games match when I do my Survivor Series predictions with John Roka next week. Until then, like I said, if you've listened this far and you enjoyed what you listened to, go hook it up with a review on Apple Podcasts. I, le- I read the best ones on this show, so please, please go hook it up if you've enjoyed listening to this show. I appreciate it very much. I read them, and they, they fill my heart with happiness knowing that people are actually listening to this on the other side and also if you're on Spotify, I'm sorry that you can't leave a review. If, you mean you could. You still could. I'm sure you have Apple Podcasts too. But if you don't want to leave your dedicated app, just hit the stars. You got your phone nearby. Go hit five stars. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character on video every Wednesday. I got a great guest lined up for next week. You guys are going to love the conversation that we had. So go make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. It's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown as well. There's YouTube shorts and a bunch more. So make sure you subscribe there. You can subscribe to this podcast feed as well for more shows, more roundups, more whatever, more of me. Hello. 
Go subscribe. Click the button. Your phone's near you. And also make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're there. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another SmackDown Roundup. 